Hey awesome nerds, welcome back to Pitch Slapped, the Pitch Perfect podcast. My name is Kaylee Hillier and this is the podcast where we like to cover everything and anything to do with Pitch Perfect. Whether it's the actors, whether it's Pitch Perfect news, whether we just want to talk about it for a good little while or we want to delve into the wonderful world of the fandom, the fan fiction, everything that you guys create. We talk about it right here on Pitch Slapped. And can I just say, what a week we have had, because it was Chloe week. So the majority of today is going to be talking about Chloe week because it's just happened. There is so much to unpack and talk about. It's going to be really tough to try and squeeze this all in for the podcast, but I'm going to try my best. And of course, we've got some great actor news coming up. First, though, I wanted to try and make this podcast a little bit more authentic. And I was like, what can I do? So I thought, you know what would be great is if I had a pitch pipe. Because, you know, the Bard and Bellas have a pitch pipe. And every time they do their performance, they blow it and then they start off. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a pitch pipe? One of my dreams would be to own a Bard and Bellas pitch pipe. If there was going to be any prop from the movie... It would be a toss-up between Chloe's yellow cup or the Bard and Bella's pitch pipe. I even went so far as to like look into if you could get like custom pitch pipes. And so far I haven't had that much luck. So I don't have a pitch pipe at the moment. But the next best thing that I could find is an app with a pitch pipe. It's called Pocket Pitch. So I thought, what a great thing to play in between segments on the podcast. So without further ado, let's blow the pitch pipe and get into the episode today. Did that sound good? Did it do it for you? I hope so. I feel like I need to do like a five, six, seven, eight, but I'm not going to because that just might be a little bit too far. Okay, so starting off with actor news this week. Well, it's been really busy and there's only really one place I want to start this week and that is the fact that the Queen, Anna Kendrick, has been nominated for an Emmy. Yes! Can I just say, when I saw this pop up on my Twitter feed, it was like blowing up. As soon as the announcement came, oh my word, so many people were talking about it. It was fantastic. The amount of support for Anna Kendrick was amazing. She has been nominated in the category Outstanding Actress in a Short Form Comedy or Drama Series. And that is for her work in Dummy. Now, I'm sure a lot of people would have loved it to have been Love Life. I haven't seen it yet. Still, I'm still waiting. Unfortunately, it's not Love Life. To be fair, though, the categories that Love Life probably would have gone into are extremely competitive. So I am just glad that she's nominated at all because she is so talented. And whether you like Dummy or you don't like Dummy, Anna Kendrick in that show is amazing. I mean, she has to work with a sex doll for the majority of the episode it's just like Anna Kendrick so she's got to carry this thing and she just like steals the show such a bizarre concept and yet it just works and it is so bizarrely funny one thing that I always love about Anna Kendrick is the fact that she's not afraid to try new things and to do new projects different genres I mean if you look at some of the things she's done recently with Facebook watch having a go at that. Also, if you take something like Love Life, it's a completely different take on the idea of the romantic comedy and looking into an individual's love life and how that plays out. And so Quibi is something that is so different. And Dummy itself, as a concept, you're just like, how on earth do you end up with a project like this? Because Quibi is all vertical video so number one it looks different than you would normally sort of have things and I don't know if that affected the filming process it's something I've always kind of wondered about Dummy because I've seen it mentioned a few times that it was made specifically for the format whereas there are other things on Quibi where it's clearly filmed and then just cropped and you can kind of tell it's really close cropping because they've got to try and get it into this vertical video Whereas when you look at Dummy, there are some shots and some scenes in that, especially in the car when she's driving, which just fit so well. Clearly they must have thought about this before they shot it. Whether that affected the actors or not, I have no idea. 
But to be fair, I just I don't think that show would have worked if it wasn't for Anna Kendrick in it. And then she's got to act alongside a prop where obviously the facial expressions on the on the doll don't change. That's all post-production. So you're having to then act and react to this prop that's throwing a load of jabs at you throughout most of the episodes. I mean, the dedication to make that work is amazing. So if nothing else, you just want to watch Dummy for Anna Kendrick. That's that's the only reason I watched it for. And it was well worth it. So I am just hoping that we get a good result on Emmy night. We will have, hopefully, some good Anna Kendrick content. I want to see her on the on the carpet. I want to see her dressed up. It's amazing when she goes to these award shows how amazing she looks. So come on. I can't wait. And of course, going along with that as well, we haven't even talked about the fact that this nomination means that Anna Kendrick is an EGOT nominee. So she has now received nominations not only for an Emmy, but a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony Award. If you needed any proof that Anna Kendrick is talented, you have it right there. All we need now is for some of these to start turning into actual awards. I mean, come on, it's got to start happening somewhere. And fingers crossed that the Emmy will be the first one. We're going to dream big. In other news this week, there was actually quite a bit of content that came out online. A number of the actors were in live streams and in interviews and sharing projects that they're in. Starting off, we had Anna Camp, who was in a Here A While live stream. She was in conversation with Deborah Smith, and they talked about the film. This was on Instagram Live, and obviously they talked about Here A While. It's quite a different genre that Anna Camp has gone into with this film, and she did share a little bit about how it was lovely to delve into a more dramatic role. One thing that I love about watching Anna Camp do a live stream is she clearly is very passionate about acting, and that comes across when she does these live streams. She's very thoughtful about what she shares and clearly thinks a lot about how she gets into a process. And it's lovely to hear how she talks about her characters and the roles that she plays. And she's very happy to share that info with those watching, whether it's advice or other things. And it's quite down to earth advice as well. So I've always really enjoyed watching an Anna Camp live stream. Obviously, she shares about many, many different aspects from her career, things about Perfect Harmony. And of course, she's going to start talking about Pitch Perfect. I don't think any of these girls can really get away from not having a question about Pitch Perfect in any interview they end up in. And uh, just some little snippets of things she shared about Pitch Perfect. Number one, she wanted to give a big thank you to the fans. And she also said to just keep letting Universal know, because if we keep hounding them, the likelihood is that they will listen at some point. And I also really loved how she talked about Aubrey, because she almost talked about Aubrey as if she's her own person, and almost like getting to know an old friend. She said she'd love to play Aubrey again, and especially to see how she's doing and whether she's loosened up any more since Pitch Perfect 3. And so it's like really endearing to hear how she sees Aubrey and the relationship she has with the character. One point she did make though, and I thought it was hilarious, I've never really thought about this, was the fact that in many of her roles, she has had to throw up. Aubrey obviously has quite the prolific throwing up scene. It's one of the first things you get to know about Aubrey, especially that shot of the side of her face where the vomit is just shooting out into the audience. It's a very iconic shot. And the camp just kind of jokes and, and makes a comment about the fact that she's a little bit worried that in her acting career, people are just going to know her as the vomiting actress because she's thrown up so many times. Clearly, people think that she does it well because she keeps getting asked to do it again. The next live stream that we saw was Bringing Snow. She was in a Guiding Lights reunion on YouTube. Obviously, you've got a lot of cast members there, they talk and reminisce about the show. One of the things I thought was really endearing as you watch this live stream, they revealed to Britney that she already had the role before she knew it. So she was 12 when she auditioned for the role on Guiding Light and she got the job from the tape that she filmed in her living room with her dad. And when she then had to fly in and do the audition in person, she already had the job, they just didn't tell her she had it. So she finds out on this live stream and it's like a really, really lovely moment where she realises just maybe just that memory of the hard work that was put in as a 12 year old and probably the fear and anxiety when you have to go into do a live audition, trying to get a job, especially that young as well. That's kind of a lot of pressure. 
for a 12 year old to take on board half of that was probably not necessary and she already had it they just wanted to see her in person that was it so they were going to talk about pitch perfect a little bit one of the things that Brittany Snow mentioned which I thought was really really interesting she talks about how they'd form these bonds from Pitch Perfect, especially the fact that they were all in this kind of stage in their lives. They were in their early 20s and people come in and serve a very specific and important purpose in your lives. And the girls at that time did that for Britney Snow. <laughs> she also mentions that obviously we've heard it before, they became like a family. But she also said that they had fights like a family, but they loved each other as a family and they still do. At least you know, you know, the Bellas are like a family. Sometimes they have arguments, but they make it work and they love each other and they just keep on going. So it's okay. The final piece of content I wanted to share from the week was by Sherry Regner. She was on a YouTube video where she had an interview. It's called Backstage with Becca B. And it's a show all about theatre, especially kind of like theatre actors and things like that. So a lot of the interview is her talking about her theatre work because Shelley Regner has been in quite a lot of theatre productions around the US. She actually talks a little bit about the difference between film and theatre. So it's really interesting to kind of hear a little bit more about her background, because we know Shelley Regner as Ashley from Pitch Perfect. Now, of course, she talks a little bit about her time on Pitch Perfect. One thing I didn't know, somebody like Shelley Regner, you know her as Ashley. And although she doesn't have a big, big role in the film, she is one of the Barden Bellas. And without Jessica and Ashley, they lose kind of two important backing vocals in that group. Also, I really enjoy the nods to Jessica and Ashley every single movie where they just have that little inside joke every single time. When she shares about her time on Pitch Perfect, one thing that she mentioned was the fact that she didn't actually know she had a speaking role. She originally thought that she was going for a background role and that would be it. But as she showed up to do it, she suddenly found out she was going to have a slightly more important role than just being in the background. She also gives a big nod to Pitch Perfect in trying to empower women and female filmmakers. It's one of the things that I've really loved about the Pitch Perfect movies is how empowering they are to watch and seeing the Barden Bellas overcome preconceptions about themselves, people thinking they're not good enough, or the fact that they can only kind of do certain amount of things and the Barden Bellas always overcome these objections in their own unique way. So the fact that she kind of mentioned that was a really, really lovely nod to the movies. She was asked what her favourite mashup from the movies is and she did say that it was the first film's finale number, which let's be fair, is an amazing piece. And you need to listen to that song a number of times because there are so many samples, so many little nuggets that pinpoint to bits of the movie and songs used. Every time I, I've listened to it, you like pick up different moments. It's great. But she also shared was the fact that during Bella's boot camp and during the production of the movie, a lot of times the song would change. So they would learn the choreography and the lyrics to the finale number They'd get it down and they think, yes, we've got it. It's all done. We're ready for this. They'd go away, come back the next day, get into the studio and they're like, sorry, guys. So we've decided to change this song here and we're going to change the choreography and you're going to learn it again. And so there was this constant, very fast paced process within the production of the movie, which I absolutely loved. And I thought that that was really, really insightful. And also just like a testament to the fact that you don't need a finished piece to really get people on board with a project. I think sometimes you feel like things have to be finished, things have to be pristine to be able to move it forward. And with something like this, it was really lovely to hear that a big factor of getting to the final edit, that they wanted to lean on the strengths of the actors and the talent that they had. Maybe they went through a number of adjustments and that's something that we've heard from the likes of Anna Kendrick talking about the cup song and other moments in the movie, that because they were in this kind of creative bubble, but they were all along for that journey. So I thought that was really, really cool. We've seen some really lovely points this week from an array of people on the Pitch Perfect scene, and it's great to see them, how they're continuing to grow, and also just the good memories that they have. And even today, I'm still like discovering new things as they share it. Let's just blow the pitch pipe. Okay, 
what can I say about Book Chloe Week? Eight days, eight days of themes, fan fiction, even some fan art, where we could just celebrate Becca and Chloe. And I just want to give a nod to everybody who took part in Book Chloe Week and made content for us to enjoy. Whether you are an author or whether you are an artist, it's thoroughly enjoyable to be able to have these themes and see how each individual person creates their own spin on it. Now, I wanted to delve into a little bit of the background of Book Chloe Week. So I kind of went on to Tumblr and found the Book Chloe Week blog. Things on there go back to about 2015. So we know that this has been going for a good five years. And I was like, I wonder how this kind of started. So I was asking around for a little while, trying to get an insight into Book Chloe Week and where it all came from. And just want to give a nod to at Tizzle Shizzle on Twitter, who actually directed me to 2013. And there is a blog called GJ Bacloe, who apparently started Bacloe Week in 2013. And if you go onto fanfic.net, you can find a handful of stories written for Bacloe Week 2013. So this has been going on for like, I want to say seven years which is amazing. That is almost the same amount of time that the first movie came out. The fact that the legacy of this fandom goes back almost to the origins of the film is just, just blows my mind. It was actually really enjoyable. I went back and read some of the original 2013 fan fiction from Chloe Week and how they kind of crafted things just from knowing Becca and Chloe from the first movie. And so you can know that we have a wonderful legacy in this fandom and I hope that we can keep on going, especially because it's only like two years away from the 10th anniversary of Pitch Perfect. One thing that I really love about the Chloe Week, and it's something that I, I did quite a bit at uni when I was studying photography, is having a topic which everybody has and seeing how they interpret it differently. And so the fact that you have these headings or topics, themes that each author has to stick to, and seeing how they then craft their own story, their own spin on it, is really, really interesting. And what can I say about the Chloe Week? We saw large amounts of fluff. We saw the occasional heartache, cliffhangers. We saw our favourite ship in so many different scenarios and situations, from a pregnant Becca to a Spider-Man AU, Jesse as a horse, being stuck in a lift, the Mafia, having an autistic daughter, owning dogs, cats, chickens and ducks, from being single, girlfriends, married and with children, so many aspects of the Chloe, eight days to get through. So we're going to be delving into some of the fan fiction from the week. I just want to give you just a word of warning, I am not able to cover them all on this podcast as much as I would love to. I'm just not gonna be able to have time. Also, I don't think you're gonna sit around and listen to me talk about them for that long. And to be fair, I'd rather you go and read the fan fiction. There is so much to look out for. So what I thought I'd do is, I've tried to read as much as I could. Majority of the fan fiction was on AO3. There was one author who only posted on fanfiction.net. And there was also some authors that only post on Tumblr. So if you do wanna check out any of that stuff, those are the places to look out for. I will try and remember to mention where I found them all as we talk today, but the majority of the ones I'm going to talk about are going to be on AO3. Also, there was a number of artists who took part in Chloe Week. I found two artists who dedicated time to actually creating some amazing artwork. If you look for the blogs Sketchy Wave and I Am Beaverly, on Tumblr. Those are the two that I found. I don't know how long it must have taken them to create these things, but the dedication and the time that they must have put in is phenomenal. So although I can't kind of physically show you on the podcast, please go and check them out. I Am Beaverly did one of Becca and Chloe on their wedding day. So as we delve into the days of the Chloe week, I am going to try and highlight a number of authors each day. Some of them wrote for every single day. Some only picked out the occasional day there's also some authors that did like every single day as a whole story. So it's like an eight page story where they take the prompts 
and each day is another bit of the story and how they mold it to work around the prompts is really really amazing if you want to check those out that is secret nerd 18 and 22 tie on ao3 and you can see their whole story as eight chapters and see how they did it because it must be really tough to do a whole story where you've suddenly got to go from friends with benefits to he bit me to drunken texts and baby farm animals. So how on earth you managed to kind of make the story work is amazing. So what I have done is I've selected a number of authors each day. But what I have tried to do is just get a, get a wide selection of authors and also to try and get different feels throughout the week. It would be very easy for me to just stay in a lovely fluffy zone because I do like a little bit of fluff, but there are some good angsty fix out there which we will share as well. So you can get a wide spectrum of the feel of the Chloe week as we go through this podcast today. And I will tell you now, I am going to try really hard not to put any spoilers in any of this fix. It's going to be really hard to do, but I don't want to like tell you what happens because I'd rather you go and read the fan fiction for yourself. But I'm just going to try and get across how I felt and the enjoyment I had reading these fix this week. Starting off with our first theme, which was Friends with Benefits on day one. As you can expect, this theme found Becca and Chloe in a number of situations where they ended up as friends with benefits and the angsty feels that come because of that. The will they, won't they? Does she like me the way that I feel for her? A lot of the fix kind of alluded to the future. You get the good bits of angst. There's even some really hilarious moments when they're trying to hook up and it's just not working out for them. But one fix that I really wanted kind of pinpoint out from this day was by abadaboo22 called the only exception and this one's actually from like chloe's perspective and in this fic chloe swears off relationships because she's had too many heartbreaks until she meets becca mitchell and then she finds herself like torn between only doing random hookups or whether or not she wants to feel for anything more which is a really really interesting spin on chloe because Often we find Chloe is the one who kind of bears her heart on her sleeve and is completely open. She's like the opposite of Becca Mitchell. Whereas in this fic, Chloe is the one who is protecting herself. This is a retelling of Pitch Perfect 1. So you get a number of Pitch Perfect 1 moments. Also, another thing that I really liked about this fic was the fact that Becca and Chloe's relationship maybe isn't as fast as is often told. Because I find often with a lot of stories that retell how Becca and Chloe meet, especially once they get to Hood Night and Becca becomes a Bella, that their relationship and their friendship gets really fast and they suddenly just really like each other and they get along and they're best friends. Which I enjoy reading, it's, it's really great, but this was actually really refreshing because what happens in this story, and I kind of attribute that p- partly to Becca, because as being someone who's quite reserved and maybe not as outgoing and cautious of people, is maybe they ease into it a little bit slower. So it takes a little bit of time for them to warm up, get to know each other before they start getting any further in their friendship and relationship. And there's this really touching interaction between the two of them as they're trying to get to know each other better, where clearly Chloe is the one that Becca feels most comfortable sharing things about herself. So she very kind of cautiously shares with Chloe some of her mixes in trying to help the Bellas. And Chloe's kind of taken aback and she gets to hear these mashups for the first time and realise maybe a completely different aspect to Becca that she didn't know before. And so you see this friendship growing from this lovely little moment to the point where obviously they get to know each other better. There's also some really great moments where they feature some of the other characters. Aubrey I really like in this fic because of her brutal honesty at times with Chloe. And for me it's Chloe and Aubrey's relationship that really helps this story progress. Partly that Chloe gets ahead of her ass and actually does the right thing, but also just pointing out to Chloe that maybe shutting yourself off for more is in the long run going to do more damage. And if you find something worthwhile, you should take that chance. There's a really lovely line that Aubrey says, which is, take the chance, take the risk. I think you'll be happy you did. And it's through that you really get like an understanding of Aubrey that, yeah, she's not Becca's biggest fan. And she loves Chloe and so she's looking out for her best friend and her best friend's interests. Well worth checking out and a lovely start to Chloe week this week. As we delve into day two, he bit me. 
This has got to be the theme, which I thought was the most bizarre one of the week. I just want to point out with day two of Book Chloe Week, I don't know how you view the relationship of Becca and Chloe, but out of all the fics that I read, Chloe does not get bitten once. But what is it about poor Becca Mitchell that she's getting bitten all the time? Do we just think that Chloe is like immune to being bitten? Like, what is it about Becca? That means that we automatically think she is the one that's always going to get bitten in these scenarios. I feel so sorry for Becca at this point. I can see why you would pick Becca. She she kind of sets herself up for it. But I just feel so bad that Chloe never got bitten once this whole topic. It was always Becca. And the likelihood that Chloe's going to get bitten at some point, especially as she works as a vet, you would think would be fairly high. But no. Becca's always the one that gets bitten. Obviously, we saw our fair share of animals being involved. Also, babies. Babies also play quite a big role in Becca being bitten. I just want to give a nod to TMYLM, who did a fic called The More That I Know You, The More I Want To, which actually did the He Bit Me theme quite differently than a lot of the other fics that I read, because instead of it being around animals, these were all different situations in which Becca got bitten and Chloe's like always directly involved. It's actually a three chapter fic. So you get three different scenarios where Becca's going to get bitten. But there's this lovely reoccurring theme throughout that Chloe's involved in that's really, really sweet and just kind of ties the whole story together. Also, my favourite dog of the whole week was in this day of the week and it's in a fic by iphone called nothing has changed me quite like you juniper the dog is amazing and her protection of chloe is on point that's all i'm going to say about that fic the one i really wanted to draw attention to for this day of the week was he bit me by akablomi on 803 and in this fic we find becca is a growing artist in the music industry she's got a big song coming out and in order to kind of embrace as much as possible the publicity with this song her management team decides that she needs to get a PR consultant and to do some PR work. I really like the fact that although Becca's making quite a large name for herself in this fic and she's already kind of got there is the fact that she's still her awkward self and because of that the way in which this fic plays out really plays into Becca's awkwardness dynamic and it really kicks off when she has to call this PR agent up who happens to be Aubrey. What a great role for Aubrey to play. We have the very organised and will not waste time PR agent as Aubrey and there's this amazing telephone moment between the two of them, Becca and Aubrey, where Becca just can't seem to get the words out and Aubrey's trying to be as efficient as possible and it's quite hilarious to read how that all plays out. They end up doing some PR work by volunteering at an anima shelter. Aubrey plays on this whole idea of Becca being a bit of a child. Obviously the height jokes are in there. Becca has the intentions of just trying to do her best, but in her awkward self, obviously, things are going to play out slightly differently. It's never going to go quite as easily as she would hope, and it involves a vet. I wonder who the vet's going to be. So you have lovely, flirty Chloe moments, and also just, it's a very light-hearted fic. And although it's not necessarily really long, you get a really lovely insight for potentially how this relationship's going to build from their meet-cute and how they kind of grow from there. And Chloe's like really fun in this fic. It's just the vet and how she helps out the situation, how she gets to know Becca. And clearly is a lot more confident than Becca is, even though Becca's the one who has this big career going on. So really, really lovely, really lighthearted, and a lovely take, I thought, on the he bit me theme. Day three, we had drunk texts, which found Becca and Chloe in various states of drunkenness. It was really interesting to see how all the authors for this theme kind of took the concept and created all of these amazing drunk text conversations I just wanted to give a nod to Red Lance, who did a fic called Don't Drink and Text, where the whole entire fic 
is just text conversations. There's nothing else there. It's literally this text conversations happening. And yet it allows your mind to just run with it. And I also like the way they kind of threw Jesse in there as part of that dynamic as well and seeing him in a different role. One of the highlights for me was Ding Buzz by Please Act Surprised, who did a thick set just literally after Pitch Perfect 3. So if you imagine the end of Pitch Perfect 3, we have the Chloe and Chicago kiss. And this fic is almost like what would have happened after the movie finished. And you have a devastated Becca. And if you're anything like me, when you watched Pitch Perfect 3 and your heart breaks at the end, when you see that kiss, you get to kind of relive that moment and that heartache at the same time as Becca. And how that manifests itself as she gets drunker and drunker from her after party Stacy plays quite an interesting role in this one as Becca's best bud. And the author in this fic as well does a really, really good job at just the intention to detail of drunk texting. Obviously, a lot of the fics covered drunk texting with spelling mistakes and stuff. But what really made me smile when I was reading through this one, the author doesn't just put the spelling mistakes in, but also accounts for autocorrect. So the amount of times that Becca texts duck during this fic is amazing and it really made me smile. So if you want to get an insight as to uh, potentially how Becca reacted after watching the Chloe in Chicago kiss, Ding Buzz is well worth checking out. One of my favourite fics of this day was by A Sweet Melody Trinkling, which is called Drunk Texts, where Chloe is babysitting and Becca starts texting her drunk texts. And Chloe can't do anything because she's babysitting and this situation unwinds Chloe has to just literally sit there as a bystander and these cringy moments are happening and she can't do anything about them and it gets worse and worse and worse. It's really hilarious to read through, especially as you're kind of living through these moments with Chloe and that one can only be found on Tumblr. So if you do want to check out Drunk Text by a Sweet Melody Trinkling, have a look at their blog on Tumblr. But I wanted to give a nod specifically this day of the week to A Simple But Chloe who does a fic called I'm Trying Hard. Now, a word of warning, this is an angsty fic. I feel like if there was an award for the angstiest fic of the whole week, it would be this one. Oh my word, my heart broke so much reading this story. Just written out there. But at the same time, it is very beautifully written and there's some lovely moments in this story which I just wanted to give a bit of a highlight to you today. Now, to set the scene, this is what it says in the summary, Becca still isn't sure how the happiness of that night under the strawberry moon turned into shouting and crying and not talking. And then, last of all, the haunting finality of their shared apartment door slamming behind Chloe as she left. Now the summer is gone and Becca is alone. So even from the summary, you know that you're in for a good bit of angst. And they're not beating around the bush. This is going to be angsty and it's going to hurt. And this story starts off really, really sweet. It's got a lovely, sweet beginning, which as I'm starting to read, I'm like being very cautious because I'm like, oh no, this is going to turn bad. And you get this insight into their growing relationship and then suddenly it just shifts and it's so heart-wrenching. And you follow Becca where she finds herself in a position where everybody has left. And she's trying to deal with this breakup and how everything has happened. It's really painful. One of the things that I think why I found it painful is that the author chooses not necessarily to share why they broke up. So you read all this fluff and then you're like, well, what happened? Like, what was it that was so big that just ripped this apart? It just like destroyed it. Not to the point where they just left. No, they. this was like left with pain and in shatters and it's still continuing to cause pain and there's a load of yearning by Becca who's just trying to in her mind get to a place where she can get over this and it's just not happening. One of the things I love about this story is the way in which the author describes how Becca relates to the world and how she interprets the world through music and there's some lovely analogies in there where it talks about the rhythm of how she walks or the beating of her heart and how that plays into the rhythm of her life and how she sees the world. I just thought it was a really lovely take 
into how music really does encapsulate Becca's world. And it's always there. It's always playing out there as she lives through life and in these moments. And I think especially as a creative person, you can see that with Becca, that everything comes back to music. And in this moment where she is in pain, she's feeling the music differently in her life. As I was reading through this text, I kind of forgot that this was under the drunk text theme until near the end of the fic, where it makes reference to the drunk text, because although you don't necessarily see the drunk texts, there's like one text that is sent, which kind of brings us to the end of the fic and an important moment that happens. You get that through the way that Becca is feeling and how she's handling things and maybe she's not handling things very well. And that just rips your heart out even more. I mean, yeah, it's painful, it's angsty, and it's going to leave your heart in shatters. A simple Bakari with the story, I'm trying hard. Day four found us with baby farm animals. I feel like looking over this one and, and having a think about this topic myself, this one would have been the hardest one for me to try and make a story out of. So kudos to everybody who had a go at doing baby farm animals because I think this one was really difficult to put a new spin on it. Obviously we saw Becca and Chloe in, in a number of farms bringing animals home. I did think it was amazing how many parts of the Chloe week featured animals. They're all over the place this week. There's a really really cute one by Abadaboo22 called Relaxation is Key where they do baby goat yoga which is amazing but some of the things I just wanted to highlight were ones where they brought animals home. The first one is called Fantastic Four by the author Not So Awesome Nerd and the summary for this book is Becca and Chloe's apartment doesn't allow pets. They certainly don't allow for four little surprises Chloe brought home for Becca and when this fic starts off you find Chloe in a little state of panic where she's trying to kind of butter Becca up to something that she's brought home from the clinic. She's clearly a vet and you don't know what it is. You're not told. So you're kind of in a position where you're almost following Becca through this first part of the story. You find Chloe, she's cooking her favourite food, she's dressing a certain way, she's doing everything she can to distract Becca. And you know the inevitable is coming, but you don't know what it is. So you're kind of along this journey with Becca when she's going to find out. And there's this kind of really playful suspense through the story. But it's a really, really cute story. And we do have the reluctant Becca who doesn't want to admit when she likes something. It happens a lot. So you get these cute moments where these little inklings of cute Becca come out or Chloe's going to catch Becca in the act. But what I thought was really lovely about this story is the fact that not only does it give those inklings of cute Becca in the moment, but also because she's going through this experience it alludes to the potential of the future and the future of their relationship and how that could move forward. So you get this really lovely insight how to one experience can prepare you for the next and their relationship kind of grows stronger because of that. Another really fun fic of the week was by green-eyed weirdo called Chick Magnet. Now, if you've ever watched Friends, I am a big fan of Friends. You have the chick and the duck owned by Chandler and Joey. But instead of Chandler and Joey, it's Becca and Chloe. That rhymed, that was good, wasn't it? That was good. <laughs> so you've got Becca and Chloe who end up in a situation where they have a chick and a duck. And it's kind of almost like they're reliving these moments. But because of that, you get these really lovely dynamic between the two of them. It's really funny. Becca plays the voice of reason. But of course, Chloe normally gets her way anyway. And she's also playing reluctant Becca. But there's a very, very lovely moment where Chloe catches her in the act. And I think you get this whole insight that she knows it's there in Becca. She just needs to catch her doing it. There's this lovely moment where Becca is in the bathroom with the chick and the duck. I think Sketchy Wave on Tumblr did a, a drawing to go along with this fic of that specific moment. And it's really fun. And you get some really lovely domestic but Chloe moments in there as well. Day five was fake dating. Obviously, we had Becca and Chloe trying to save face in a number of situations, whether it's award shows, whether it's weddings or dinners with their exes. It all plays out 
on this day of the Chloe week. One of the things that I feel like did it completely differently to everybody else was by another Chloe shipper who did a thing called I Wish You Were Someone Else, which actually has Becca taking Jessie as the fake date and she has an established relationship with Chloe. So it's a really, really interesting take on the fake dating genre. One of the ones that I really loved as well was by Isa Cabrell called Your Heart Is Glowing. And it's set during Pitch Perfect 1. And I think the reason why I really loved this fic was just the fact that Becca seems as awkward as I am. To the point where, like, you just don't want to upset people. Sometimes it's really hard to say no. It's going to cause people pain. So sometimes you avoid conflict and confrontation because you don't want to upset the other person, even to your own detriment. And this is exactly what happens in this story. Because Jesse wants Becca... Becca doesn't want him, and Becca has a thing for Chloe. But Becca's too nice. I don't know if she's too nice, or... Well, clearly she doesn't want to upset him, but she's too nice to tell him, look, I don't like you in that way. So, unfortunately, Jessie's taking it that she's trying to be hard to get, and so tried to do a big movie-type moment to swoo Becca, and it's the most awkward thing to read. Like, oh my word! It's so cringy because you're watching this thing play out and you're like reading Becca's inner monologue as her, she's horrified that this is happening and it's happening in public. And even in that moment, even when it gets to the point where she's going to let Jesse down or she's going to have to go on a date with him, instead of sort of saying, hey, I don't like you that way. Which probably, let's be fair, in, in such a public setting, I don't know if I would be able to do it. So I can appreciate where Becca's at. But she chooses to lie, to try and let him down easier. But because of that lie, she kind of digs herself an even bigger hole. Which kind of leads us to the end of the fic. I don't want to give too much away, but I will say, Chloe is in her playfully flirting mood. And it ends on such a lovely tone, but all I will say about the ending is that I curse Aubrey for ruining the moment. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Another one that I just wanted to add with the fake dating genre is actually a multi-chapter story by Just Write That Down called Meet the Beals. And it actually goes for three days of the Chloe week, baby farm animals, fake dating and wedding, but primarily focuses on the fake dating storyline. Chloe asks Becca to be her fake girlfriend to her brother's wedding. Becca has a crust on Chloe. What is really interesting about this story is that Chloe has a bad relationship with her parents. And I feel like often when we read about Chloe, she often is depicted as having a good relationship or almost an ideal type of relationship, which is completely different to Becca. So I really like the fact they, they give Chloe a rocky relationship with her family. Because what that does is it then forces Becca to kind of go into protection mode because she's dealt with rubbish parents or difficult moments with her parents. And so she kind of projects that into then how she makes sure Chloe's okay with her own parents. So what you see is every time Chloe gets hurt by the things her parents does, Becca's always there and she's always ready to step in, um, especially because she wants to build Chloe up. She knows how important Chloe is and how wonderful Chloe is because of her personality and can't fathom why somebody so close to Chloe wouldn't be able to see that. And I love how they build up on the fake dating story to the point where it just Becca just reaches breaking point. And instead of having, having like a big blowout moment that you often see with a fake dating story, I thought it was really handled quite differently. And that is because of the baby farm animal aspect of the plot. So you see a lot of emotions playing out for Chloe during this fic. You see Chloe quite raw and open and unsure because of her family and how her family project onto her. Ends on a good fluffy tone. I really enjoyed it. That is Meet the Beals by Please Write That Down. We are heading into day six of the Chloe week, which was hospital. This day of the week saw us with Becca and Chloe in a number of situations where they ended up having to go to hospital whether it's something they did, whether it was an inevitable thing. It was great to see all the, uh, all the scenarios that you came up with to get them to the hospital. I wanted to give a little nod to Red Lance for this day because I feel like 
their story, which is called I'm Sorry, and you can find that on AO3. It's the story that I was least expecting. If you want a story that is completely different, I felt, to everything else this week, this is the story. Now, I felt like the author alluded to the fact that this was a Spider-Man AU. They never specifically say that, but it's just how I got a vibe from reading the story. But what I love is that it's really ambiguous. They don't actually tell you quite a lot of what's happening. All you get this idea is that Beck is in trouble and she asks Chloe for help. And so it's, this story starts out with Becca being in a really, really bad way behind a mini-mart. And you have no idea what's happening. All you can do is kind of follow along to the emotions of how this is outplaying and also how the characters are reacting to the situation before them. It's really painful to read. And a part of that is not only because of Becca's condition and the state that she's in. And I often found myself when I was reading this fic, it's not very long, but I was getting really frustrated at Becca at the beginning. So I was like, why are you talking to Chloe? Get the hospital on the phone. Like, call... I was going to say 999, but it's 911, isn't it, in the States? So, like, call the ambulance and get them down there. But as you read through it, you understand why she won't do that and why she called Chloe. And then you get this two-sided coin, number one, from Becca's point of view. It's very clear that she's kept a big secret from Chloe. And she wants to explain herself and she wants to make this right because Chloe deserves it. But she's not getting that opportunity because of what's happened and she'd rather not put Chloe in this situation but she doesn't have a choice and then the other side of it is you get Chloe's emotions where she's being confronted with a situation which she's not quite sure how to take there's probably a little bit of hurt and confusion in there because Becca hasn't been completely honest with her but also at the same time she's extremely worried because Becca's in such a bad way and she's not getting any closure from that because Becca literally cannot explain what's happened. It's so sad. It's really angsty. And also just the fact that like they both want to talk to each other and, I, and you know that potentially there would be a lot of closure from that conversation, but it just can't happen because of what's happening in this story. By the end of it, it just left me wanting more. I was like, oh my word, I just, I need to know what happened next. Really caught me off guard but really, really enjoyable to read. And I would be fascinated to see how, if the author decided to take that further, how they would play out that story. There's also really funny stories in the hospital day of the Chloe week. And there are two that I absolutely fell in love with. First one was Akablomi with Hospital. This one was like one of the last fics I read of the week. And oh my word, it was so funny. Becky gets something stuck where she probably would wish something would never get stuck. And the inner monologue that Becca has with her embarrassment and everything playing out is hilarious. It is so good and also mortifying because as you're reading it, you're just like, if this ever happened to me, I would be so embarrassed. Like, so fair play to the author for playing that out and Chloe handles it so well in this story. The other one that I just wanted to kind of give a nod to was Becca's Belt, who did the story called Everything is Just a Happy Accident. And I love this story just for the fact that Becca gets herself in so many situations. It's so cringy. And you're just like, how on earth do you do this to yourself? And it ends up that Chloe is always a nurse tending to Becca. And also having to react to these very awkward moments that Becca gets herself into. There are moments when you read this fic and you're just like, please don't do that. Why? Why, why are you doing this? You know what's going to happen and you, you can't stop it. And you just have to read Becca going through this moment to the point where she injures herself and ends up back in the hospital. I actually left a comment on the story on AO3 and the author, Becca's Belch, responded. I just wanted to share with you what she said. She said, fun fact... All the ways she hurt herself in this are ways that either me or someone I know has hurt themselves. So that just added a whole like other element to the story in just knowing that as cringy as some of the ways Becca hurts herself, they all actually happen to a real person. Maybe not all the same person, but they happen to people. It's got also a really good inclusion of some of the other characters. 
I really loved how they included Stacy and Amy into the story and how eventually we, we see Becca and Chloe's relationship growing from these little interactions in the hospital. Some very touching the Chloe moments. Okay, on to day seven, panic or jealousy. This day of the week brought us quite a variety of fix from topics including gay panic, animals, football teams, roller coasters. But the ones that I just wanted to give a little bit of a nod to, another Chloe Shipper did a fic called A Visit with Becca's Mum and a completely different take on the idea of jealousy. This story is a continuation of a storyline that they created around Becca and Chloe and their relationship, but Chloe has an autistic daughter called Megan. This is one of those fan fictions where the author chooses to highlight maybe different issues through the lives of Becca and Chloe. So they highlight maybe the highs and lows and difficulties and challenges that come with being a family with an autistic child. I thought this was a really, really interesting take on the jealousy topic because it focuses on them going to see Becca's mum and meeting some of the family members. They meet another little girl, similar age to their daughter, Megan, and how different they are because obviously Megan is autistic. So there's a very clear difference between the children, even though they're basically the same age. And then what I thought that was really lovely about this fic, the author number one has handled it really well, but also highlighting a very, I think, a very human reaction to what's happening. And it focuses on Chloe and maybe the jealousy that she has that her daughter is not the same. And maybe we don't talk about this very often and but it's lovely that it's highlighted that these are real struggles and real emotions that parents with different children might go through. And it doesn't mean that she doesn't love her daughter any less. It's just one of those things that you have to face sometimes. And I thought it was handled really, really well. One of the highlights for me of this day of the week was by Karma19 called Special Delivery. I loved this story. It was hilarious. Just to set the scene, Becca Mitchell Beale is 38 weeks pregnant, trapped in an elevator with Aubrey Posen. Just from that little summary alone, I am hooked. Number one, okay, you've got established married the Chloe. You know that Becca is pregnant. And who to be trapped in an elevator with than Aubrey Posen? I'm going to try and remember to say elevator, although I'm really tempted to say lift, because I would say lift in the UK. But I, I will try and remember. But if I do end up saying lift, just know that I mean elevator. So we're all on the same page. <laughs> You've got a really, really lovely caring Chloe. Almost to the point where she's a bit overprotective. And we do have an Aubrey Posen in all of her organised, stiff upper lip self. Obviously the elevator is going to break down. What I really love about how this story begins to play out is the fact that at the beginning... Becca is the one who supports Aubrey in the lift and gives a little bit of comfort or tries to. And then the situation shifts and then you see Aubrey trying to comfort Becca. It's lovely to see the banter between the two characters. You know, you know they're good friends and they have this kind of love-hate banter that they go through. The author also takes moments and plot aspects from Pitch Perfect 3, like the idea of Aubrey being a doula or being trained to be a doula it all really like ties into the story and then another really lovely aspect to throw it in as well as the story's playing out and the situation is unfolding I find myself really feeling bad for Chloe and the fact that she's not going to be there and this is a key moment in time and so the author actually throws Chloe in through the intercom of the lift or the, or the elevator and that way, she's like playing a key role, even though she's physically not present. And so you get this really lovely dynamic between Chloe, Aubrey and Becca as this emergency situation is happening. And also just, it's a really fun play on the three of them, because Becca is probably the one out of all of them who probably feels the least comfortable in this situation. And it takes Chloe and Aubrey, not that Becca has a choice, she doesn't really have a choice right now, to kind of coax it in to what's going to inevitably happen. So if you're looking for a really fun take on the panic aspect of this day, 
check out that one. In terms of jealousy, there was one thing that I thought really dove into this topic in a quite a deep way. And this is a story that started on today, day seven, but also they had a continuation on today eight as well, which we'll talk about in the cheating aspect of the week. The first part is by TMYLM called I Think There's Something You Should Know. And it focuses the story on Becca and her inability to let go of herself. It sets the scene right at Becca's freshman year. It really kicks off the fact that Becca and Chloe could have a relationship. And it's very clear that if Becca chose to, it was right there for the taking. Like, there is nothing really holding this back. They, they hook up. It happens. Chloe wants more. Becca also wants more. But she stops herself because of the fear that she has of somebody being that close to her and hurting her. And obviously that's transpired because of her relationship to her father. She knows that out of everybody, Chloe is the one who could hurt her the most. And so she chooses not to enter into a relationship with Chloe. And it's so painful to read. So you go through all these moments through Becca and Chloe's relationship, through the Pitch Perfect movies. And what's worse, as you're reading through it, you know how the stories go because you've seen the movies. So you're like hoping the inevitable's not going to happen because your heart is breaking as you're reading Becca's innermost thoughts and yearnings and overthinking this whole situation because she has this inability to let herself get to that stage with Chloe. There's points where you get quite frustrated at Becca because she just, she gets so close but she can't do it. And you almost want to scream at her. But at the same time, I kind of understand where she's coming from. Because there's moments in my life where you're too afraid to move forward. You also then see how in holding yourself back, you can affect other people. And you see moments where Chloe, the ever confident, sure of herself person, second guesses and is unsure of herself because of the actions of Becca. She's given chance after chance after chance. And it just doesn't happen. And I just feel that that is so relatable, the, the idea of being stuck because of fear. It's a lovely retelling of the story. And I think it just highlight for me, it just highlighted a difficulty that I think a lot of people go through is just this idea of letting go. Letting go of your fears, letting go of what holds you back to something that is completely uncertain. You have no idea how it's going to play out. You don't know if it's any good. But unless you open yourself up to that, you'll never find out. We've reached the final day of the Chloe week. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. We've got day eight, wedding and cheating. So many different takes on this. We had Becca as a wedding photographer. We had Becca and Chloe's relationship told through McDonald's, which is amazing. We also saw them in the Mafia. I wanted to give a little bit of a nod to Wonderstruck, who did a story called And I Crave You Always, which tells the story of Chloe going to Becca's wedding. Now you get an idea of what this fic's gonna be about. I wasn't expecting quite an angsty fic about weddings, but this one I found really quite refreshing. Chloe goes to Becca's wedding. Chloe sat at the back of the hall watching the enjoyment and the wedding take place. And she's really living these moments of her relationship with Becca. And clearly as you read through the fic, they had a girlfriend relationship they had a romantic relationship at one point but it broke down and it didn't work and so you get these little snapshots of good aspects and bad aspects that happened through their relationship you just get all the pain from Chloe reliving this really really important relationship in her life as she's trying to move on and she thought that she was going to be the only one to really give Becca that happiness and while the while the fix really painful to read and Obviously, I would prefer it to turn out differently. There's this lovely conversation between Becca and Chloe within it. And I feel like it's quite an honest conversation, especially when you already then get the points of how their relationship has played out and things have happened. And what I found when I was reading it and going through this with Chloe was the fact that by the end of the story, it was like she'd found some closure with where she was at and where her and Becca were at and 
she didn't have that before and although it didn't turn out as we would have wanted it as Chloe would have wanted it you can see by the end that she's in a place where she can start to move on and feel okay about that and as the reader you feel okay about that as well so really interesting story with regards to cheating not many people covered this topic I do think it's a it's quite a difficult topic to do Isa Cabral did one called I Was Cheated By You, which is really, really fun. All I would say about this one is the fact that Becca has a great idea, but the execution maybe didn't go quite how she planned. Is taking the cheating aspect to a fun little betting game between Becca and Chloe, and Becca just chooses to cheat for a very, very good reason. But there was one author who decided to really tackle the idea of cheating was by TMYLM. And the fic is called I Think It's Time I Stopped the Show. This is the follow-on from their fic from Day 7, which we've already talk talked about, called I Think There's Something You Should Know. And this is kind of the sequel to that. So we've already had our heart broken in the previous story because Becca's been pining for five years and can't let her wall down and her fear to get with Chloe so this is now after that. Chloe and Chicago's relationship's gone quite fast to the point where they're now getting married and Becca is going to the wedding. Now, obviously, this fic's going to cover some cheating. Like, that's a difficult subject to do, especially with characters that you absolutely love. Couldn't imagine them cheating. So it's interesting to see how and why the author chooses to include that and it's kind of an important part of the story. This story really tackles the idea that sometimes the moment will pass and you lose the opportunity. And we see that with Becca and the fact that she held herself back. And she's at the point now where she is seeing people moving on with their lives, those around her, especially in love life. And she's being left behind because she has this inability to let go of her fears. And she's beginning to realise that and it's frustrating her to no end. And it blows up. And you have this really touching moment between Becca and Chloe as these emotions boil over and as they have to confront truths that they've known or they've had to deal with for a long part of their relationship. And while I'm not going to condone the cheating that happens in this story, the one thing that I just wanted to give a real big nod to with this is how it shows the difference between Becca and Chloe and why they make the decisions that they make. Obviously, Becca just gets to the point where it boils over and it can't be contained anymore. And she has to then be honest with where she's at and the fact that she's getting to the point where she can knock through those fears and come out the other side. And it leaves her very vulnerable and very open. And just understanding that that takes Becca a good five years to get there. And for some people, that's legitimately like how it is. And then the flip side of that is Chloe is the complete opposite. Not that she doesn't care about people and not that she doesn't think about things, but she's not held back by the same crippling fear that Becca is held back by. And so when she sees something that she can grasp, she goes for it in that moment. And while you might think, oh yeah, but she's like currently the night before her wedding, why would you do that? I think it's very clear with Chloe is the fact that if she didn't know that about Becca, she would have been very happy with Chicago and lived a very happy life. You know, she wouldn't have got with Chicago and gone down that route if she didn't feel like there was a future there. However, when it all comes out that Becca is now in a place where she can be open and she can embrace that relationship that has been hanging there for five or so years, Chloe knows that she couldn't go into a relationship with anybody else because the, the what-ifs would always be there. And Although there's going to be a painful unwrapping of that in cancelling a wedding and moving on and breaking Chicago's heart and things like that, in the long run, that's going to be better for everybody involved. Because it's better to, to be open and honest rather than trying to suppress emotions to live a lie. So I really love how it shows that, that Chloe has that courage to make those difficult decisions in the moment where it took Becca a good five years to get there. I thought it was really, really lovely to just unpack that inner understanding of these characters and also just highlighting issues that some people genuinely have. I feel like Chloe's emotion was just really well told in this one line from the story that just says, I want something real with you too. 
well done to the author for tackling those kind of deep issues and putting it in to this story. It was very relatable, but also just very honest with that. And I really, really enjoyed reading that. And that takes us to literally the end of Book Chloe Week. Oh my word. So much stuff, so much to unpack. It was such a joy to go through these stories, to read how you created all these different storylines and worlds from everything that you had. There's so much good stuff to read. And I would love to hear from you. What were your favourite moments from the Chloe week? I have set up a Tumblr account called Pitch Slapped, where you can leave me some messages. I've also set up a Twitter account as well called Pitch Slapped Pod, where you can let me know what your favourite stories were from the Chloe week. And I'm just astonished at the talent that we have in this fandom. Thank you so much for listening for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll see you next time, pitches.